Spectre Creative Studio. Everybody is enjoying themselves to their fullest extent. It's a wonderful sight seeing people genuinely enjoying themselves. There's no false pretense about this whatsoever. Hello and welcome to What's Cool, the podcast. I am your host, Sam Brywill. And today we have our first guest. His name is Alex Diana. We are very good friends. We've known each other for, I don't know, Alex, like what, five years? A little bit more than that? Yeah, we met in China, yeah. Yeah, that was a, I think let's even just start there because I feel like that is a whole, uh, that's a great jumping off point just to get into, I think, what we're talking about. Do you remember how we met? Oh man, uh, I was working in China with your uh, your boyfriend Nick, right? And then you came over to visit him, but I don't actually remember the like specific moment. You know, when you just meet someone you vibe with, you know, it just feels like they've been there forever. So. Dude, exactly. And I was just thinking about that because whenever I was prepping for this, I was talking to Nick. And I was like, you know, when you know somebody really well, and then you feel like it's like hard to ask questions with somebody that you know because it's like you know them and you need like a general understanding so you can just jump into it but obviously to introduce you we need to make sure that people get a little bit of a better um over understanding so yeah we did we met in china i don't remember the moment either i think we like had dinner i feel like there was like this uh barbecue place and i think it was somebody's birthday like maybe cat's birthday or like there was somebody at ef whose birthday it was and then we met there had dinner and then i think we went to Hakka afterwards and like jellyfish or something so it was a party oh, Honestly, it's all of China is such a blur to me. <laughs> I know, right? It was so intense, you know, such a culture shock, but it's so worth it. But yeah, yeah. That, that probably sounds about right. We probably got pretty drunk, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I would, <laughs> I would assume so. Dude, it was cool. The first time uh, I went to China, like, it was just a mind fuck. Like, it was seriously so different i try to explain it like it's like being on an alien planet where everything looks familiar but you can't read shit and then everyone acts very differently than how you expect them to do it so did I you have- it was honestly the, the strangest but most important like lesson of my whole life because me too when i went there i went to you know you can live in your bubble your whole life and you right. never have a different cultural context and then there's like china's like 1.7 billion people or something like that that's a large right. majority of the world and it's important to know that culture and when i went yeah, there I, I was like I was like, I'm going to go live in China. I don't even speak any Chinese. You know? and then <laughs> yeah. I was like, but they'll, but they'll definitely speak English. Like so fucking ignorant, you know? know. And then I get there and I couldn't even eat breakfast because no one even like knew. When I pointed at something, they're like, why are you pointing at shit? You know, like they didn't, yeah. they didn't even know. I didn't know what to even, how to ask for anything. Right. Yeah. Especially in like Chengdu, I feel like the, uh, the language barrier is much harder. When we lived in Guangzhou, it was a little bit easier because people, it's a bigger city. So there was like a little bit more English around. But yeah, com- like in Chengdu, it was definitely a learning curve to even like get a taxi or try to get on the subway, anything like that. So it's like starting from scratch, which is a, such a humbling experience. It was, it was so important. And I think it definitely broadened my mind as a person, you know, and made me very appreciative of, uh, of the life which I had lived up until that point you know it was, yeah. uh, it was super valuable so cool okay cool so let's say um where are you from i'm from south africa but i like to say i'm from new york city now right once, once you get incorporated into the new york life you become new york strong you know but definitely yeah, I grew up in south africa and then i moved to new york uh, okay. about seven years ago and i've been living here in, in the usa except for six months when i lived in china for a little bit right yeah and uh that's that's me i'm like a personal trainer here i work uh, for doing some online fitness for two big companies multinational companies uh, teaching boxing and rowing but like fitness and and health and wellness is pretty much my my passion and something i'm really positive about you know spreading love to people through movement so awesome okay great and that's totally is a good transition to get into what the podcast is about so like the idea behind the podcast is connecting and learning through our passions. And so when I met you, you definitely were one of the people who inspired me to kind of commit fully to a lifestyle of living your passion. So like, for me, that means making sure that not only that I am like fed and taken care of and the people that I am, like like Nicholas, for example, and eventually when we have family that those people are taken care of, but also like the spiritualness of being happy and how that also plays into 
you know, um, the whole well-being of a, like even a life, like making a quality life, in my opinion, is definitely a lot of it is following your passion. So your, your passion is fitness. Is that what you're is that what you would say? No, I would say my passion is people, you know, okay. and, and bringing people together. I think that's really important for me. Um, and when I was younger, the thing which helped me learn about myself was moving my body and uh, swimming and exercising and fitness and going to the gym. And through that process of like self-exploration, I found myself and I thought, what better way to like love on people than to help them discover something new about themselves in a similar, in a similar way. Obviously it's really important to like express your, your own passion and your own context to people. If you try to go like outside of your own context, you, you lose authenticity. And that's really important in this world. I think so much of the world is like face value. Mm -hmm. and uh, so it's really important to just like live your authentic self be yourself i always tell people like be weird right. be quirky be whoever you are and if the people don't like you you don't need them you know find the find your tribe who like accepts you for, right. for who you are yeah and that's what fitness uh kind of allowed me to do you know to to get into people's homes get into people's lives and and hopefully change their minds about who they are their place in the world, what they can do with just their body, they can right. change a tool which every single person has and everyone's different. So Right. So what does fitness, like the word mean? When you hear that, what do you think immediately? When I think fitness, I just think, you know, like being fit and being able to like run. That's why I don't really like the word fitness. I enjoy more something like health and wellness, you know. Okay. Um, but when I think about like fitness, health and wellness, I just think about like connection to yourself, respect for yourself, love for yourself, accepting yourself and, and treating yourself in a way where you wake up every day and you, and you say, I am the most important thing in my life, and, but in a non-selfish way. Right. If I can commit 100% to me, then I can commit uh, 100% to other people. But if you can't commit to yourself, you drain, you give to, you can't give anything to other people. So that's what it kind of resonates to me. You commit to yourself and then you, you're a better person for it. So. I like that perspective. I'm having a, not a big issue, but like I definitely recently have been going through um, some personal growth and like, I feel like there was a point in my life where I felt kind of bad for, or like selfish, like you were saying, for committing to yourself. Because when, from my, like in my perspective, whenever you have, chosen something that you feel like is your passion is your like life's mission it does take a lot of um gumption to choose to do that when it's so much easier to pick like a predetermined route so for a while i did feel selfish but i think as i've been learning and growing i feel like my mission and i feel like it's very much in the same way that you're talking about it's like i'm here to help people and my passion is not my passion you know is like art or whatever but it's not art the thing but more of like connecting with people and in a way like healing people through other people's experience like perhaps you know there's not a lot of um perhaps people don't have like the communication skills or the language to express how they feel about things but images are so important and these kind of conversations are so important and i totally agree um that a lot of it is just about you know like helping yourself so you can help other people yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody has their own unique way of expressing themselves and you express yourself through art and then you give people who resonate with that the freedom to do it, you know? Right. And same thing with me and, and fitness is that, that that's how I best express myself uh, is through moving my body and I learn about my emotions and I connect better to who I am, you know, like I can remember the one time uh, when I was here in New York City, I got onto a bus and I had the most shameful moment of my whole life. Uh, I grew up and I was, I was an overweight kid and people used to bully me. And I got on the bus and I was having the worst day ever. And this overweight man got on the bus and he pushed me out the way. And he said to me, I said to him, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, why are you bumping into me? And he's like, right. there's not enough space. And I just stared straight to his face. I'm like, that's because you're too fat. Wow. You know? And then the whole bus like gasped and I felt like honestly so terrible. And then I turned around to him and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I said that. I don't even know why I said that because for me, being fat, being thin, being skinny doesn't matter. You know, like just right. be yourself and be happy in the body that you have. And he said to me, he's like, 
yeah, no, it's easy when you get, when you, when you're handsome and you have a nice body. And I said to him, that doesn't matter to me. You know? Right. And then I went and I went to a yoga class right after that. And for the whole yoga class, all I did was just cry and think about all the feelings and emotions that I had when I was younger mm -hmm. about being bullied. And then how could I go and react in such a way right. to that person? But only through moving my body did I, could I really rationalize that, that experience and, and, and realize, you know, I'm flawed. I'm not perfect. Right. I make mistakes too, but how I react after that is really something which is going to be important and, uh, if, and, and how I move forward. And that's the, that's what movement brings to me. And that's what I see with you and your art, you know, you expressing something inside yourself and then that resonates with people and that, that's what comes out for other people. So that's Definitely. why we're talking, be authentic, be yourself, learn about yourself, right, love right. yourself. And it's not selfish because if you can't be there for you, then really you're going to react in really negative ways. And, and I realized the reason I reacted so negative to him was because I actually hadn't dealt with shit inside myself. Right, and right. that moment, which was totally negative and completely disgusting and like abhorrent and I was so ashamed, became one where I look back and I say, well, actually I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to grow from that. And and that's that's the most important thing in, in my life at least. So Yeah, I think it goes back to the statement of like, hurt people hurt people you know and that was my defense mechanism me sorry defense mechanism for such a long time because i mean i grew up in a very for lack of a better word tumultuous situation i had a lot of stuff happening at home and also like being gay and in the south and in high school and being openly gay i had a lot of situation like just at school like i was getting it from every kind of direction so my way to combat that was to like blindly like become confident like ignorantly think that i am the shit because that was the only way to like make it through. But as armor up, you know? Yeah, it is, it is armor up. But then I think you lose a lot of vulnerability in that too. And then when you start kind of like, I don't know, it's just my mentality on even like, even driving in traffic. And like when somebody cuts you off, sorry, when somebody cuts you off or somebody, you know, like blows their horn at you, my whole perspective has had to change where it's no longer like, oh, fuck you. Why are you doing this to me? I'm more of like, oh, maybe they had a bad morning or maybe they're late for work, you know, to, to like not victimize myself in that situation where I feel like everything's happening to me, but to kind of be more considerate of other people in that situation, because I know how hard it was growing up the way I did. Yeah. I mean, that's actually something to go back to China. That's something which China taught me, you know, coming yeah. from a traditional like Western household where there's a lot of emphasis on like your family. Mm -hmm. And in China, there's a lot of emphasis on the collective. It, it taught me to, to stop being kind of like, like trying to take everything so personally and realizing right. there's a bigger world that we live in and a bigger context. And for all you know, the dude cutting you off in traffic could be racing to go, uh, go home because his wife just is giving birth or something. Right. Or maybe she or, fell. Or it could be, he could just be an asshole, you know? But right. <laughs> either, but either way, it's like, are you going to let something that small sit with you and ruin your day and potentially prevent you from being there for somebody or being there for yourself? Yeah. It's not, it's not the way to go. The most important thing is to just, you know, like let it go. And, and yeah. that like nothing, like nothing in life is personal. I don't think people intentionally hurt one another. Like right. you said, you get hurt. And then we, as human beings, we like to like lash out as a way to, kind of uh, regain our power, which definitely taken from us. And that's what I was doing when I was on that bus is like, I was like, well, I'm going to lash out because I want to regain some form of control of the situation. And, mm -hmm. and, and really you lose, you lose all control in those situations or something right. even worse happens. Right. It could spiral out, spiral out of control very easily. Yeah, for sure. So that's a good point. I like what you're talking about, um, the difference between like my family versus like, you know, Western values is like all about the, the whole versus in China, I feel like there's a more consideration for the larger picture. Sure. And I don't know if that's because everyone is like 98% Han and they come from that same tribe. Like, I don't want to dissect like Chinese mentality, but in the, you know, in the age of COVID-19, now we're living with these masks and everything. Um, something that I 
try to convey to people, especially like having lived in China, having been around mask culture when you are sick. Like yes. for example, uh, when I taught, I had a student who was a, she was a Canadian student, but she was in my Chinese school. So I could communicate, like she was entrenched in the Chinese culture, but she had enough vocabulary in English to explain why things were. So I definitely like use that as an advantage. And she wore a mask one day. And I was, you know, I was asking, I was like, why, why are you wearing a mask? Because I thought it was because of pollution. And she said, well, when people are sick in China, they wear a mask to protect other people. Yes. And I was like, oh, but it makes sense, right? Like, it's so simple. It's so much a simple thought, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and here, it's so funny because I feel like I saw a tweet and it was so perfect. And it was said, like, Americans should have been told that masks protect themselves instead of other people. Because if they, they, they protect themselves, they would wear them. And so... It's just a very different mentality. And I was wondering, like, have you, well, you're in, you know, you're in the North. So like in the South, people are very abhorrent to listening to rules in general. <laughs> like they feel like freedom is being entrenched on. But have you seen a similar mentality like up there? Or do you feel like people are complying? What yeah, is I think, you know, I think uh, living in New York, they have those like New York strong and we come together. And I think people on some level are doing it to protect other people. But I think there's also a lot of fear which people have about, uh, about being um, called out for not doing it. So mm. I think there's like two levels to it. Like one, you want to help others and you want to protect other people. And then there's also a legitimate fear, like uh, worries that people have, like if I don't wear this mask, am I going to be shamed? Am I going right. to social media? And um, you know, right. That those are very legitimate things. Like every, right. ultimately, the reason people choose to live in America and why I chose to immigrate here is it's a free country, you know, and mm -hmm. you get to make your choices. And, and unfortunately, that can come across as quite selfish in situations like right. this. Um, but I do think that there can be just more of a focus of just like let's put aside our 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 ideas about what we need for ourselves and think a little bit more about other people. And if we had have done that, I think we could have been in a different situation, but. Yeah, I definitely it agree. Is, you know? Right, I mean, the thing is we have to, I feel like our agency in situations like this are very low. So it's a lot about adapting and that's like a human skill is to adapt. And so, I, you know, I feel like, you, yeah, I don't yeah, know, my mentality. Very, very, very comfortable with where right. they are. And I think America has become quite comfortable living on the back of like success and economic success and growth right. for a long time. And I think that comfort is coming through not only in how society interacts with each other, but also with the large levels of like this health that you see in people and obesity and right. mental illness and drug right. abuse. And I think that comes from people slowly like moving away from each other and forgetting how to actually connect with each other. Definitely. And I think that ability, inability to connect with each other comes from an inability to connect with oneself. And, and so that, that's why, like for me, health and fitness is so important because I see so many of the people who are perpetuating this negative cycle in society are actually people who are perpetuating a deeply negative cycle inside their own bodies mm -hmm. and that level of uh, imbalance and lack of health and lack of understanding about who they are and what they are and their place in society which is changing now mm -hmm. in the current social climate i think that's what we're seeing people like you said like how i lashed out like i lashed out this is the people trying to regain some kind of control in a deeply flawed and fundamentally like unhealthy system they just like well you know what i don't have the success i want everybody told me i'd be a millionaire if i worked right. hard and i'm still broke as fuck living in the fucking middle of nowhere with mosquitoes. hello everywhere. right here <laughs> and, and and where's my american dream right you know? and so they said well you know what i'm gonna do i'm free fuck you i'm gonna wear not wear a mask you know? right and um i think that's what people are seeing what we are seeing is like is that kind of like people just trying to regain some kind of control. And it's, uh, it's kind of worrying that people can't uh, think about how their respect for themselves could actually convey respect to other people. Right. We just live in such a time of, I don't even say selfishness because I feel like all of the good things that have come out of technology and connectedness get overshadowed by the negative aspects because it's so much easier to be negative than it is to be positive. But as far as like for a very, 
good example, like um, just being like Brianna Taylor, for example, she, her name is all over social media. Her name is all over the news. And eventually, finally, they're investigating the police officers who were involved in that crime. And I really don't believe that if it were not for the persistence and almost like it's kind of a passive persistence too, because you don't really have to go out and do things. And there's a, that's a double-edged sword as well, where people think that they can just post on social media and that's enough for their cause, but that's a whole nother conversation. But I, I do think it's important to like recognize that even now, like you and I can connect over zoom. And I mean, obviously I'd much rather be in New York hanging with you drinking a beer, but at the moment that's just not possible. But I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to ask you, um, when you left China, you went to Thailand, right? For some uh, boxing training, is that correct? Yeah, I did. I, we, we left China, my wife and I, and we went to Thailand for like a month and a half, like maybe, yeah, a month and a half. And so she could do a massage certification. Right. And then I just did some Muay Thai and I did some pottery. I did some like clay spinning and wow. went fishing. And I just mm-hmm. came back after... After a time when, like, I, the reason we went to China is I got fired from my job, and I was having like a really tough time, kind of mm-hmm. like, like dealing with that as, especially as a as a man, you know, you feel like oh, a yeah. failure, you can't support your family, you know, like there was mm-hmm. a lot of like like shit coming up for me, and so that's why we went to China um, to try to go get some perspective. Right. Um, but we weren't really enjoying it. It wasn't good for our relationship. And yeah. Um, a lot of people like work through the tough times, you know, pull it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But I don't believe in that. I think if something's not working for you, you should let it, let it go, you know. Definitely. Uh, so you left China, went to Thailand, and yeah, like I just, I just went on a journey to kind of like reconnect with myself and figure out what I wanted in my life, what my mm. priorities were, and um, figure out like. And why am I chasing this idea of being like an attorney and being rich and, and right. making money and like when really the thing which makes me so happy is just doing a bicycle. You know, so. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I agree. I had a lot of that self-discovery too. Cause I mean, we went, I went to Guangzhou right after I finished school. And so I, in university, I didn't really decide to choose my major. I did filmmaking. I didn't decide that because I was like, this is going to be a good career choice. I was just kind of like, well, I know I don't want to do these other things. And I definitely don't want to get a degree in art because everyone says that's like a waste of money. Well, let me tell you, filmmaking is also a waste of money. So going to China was all, I had a lot of that experience too, of just kind of like, like the teaching was fun. It was good to connect with the students. And it's not like it was overly difficult because I have, my mother's a teacher. I've been around that, you know, the education thing my whole life. So I have a little bit of like understanding on that, but I will say that it did give me so much opportunity to explore like what I was passionate about and start curving my mentality towards that. So whenever you left China to go to Thailand, did you decide that moment? Like where was the thought process of like, I'm going to try to make a living off of this? Of a fitness? Yeah. Well, you know, like I, when I went to New York after studying in South Africa, studying my law degree, mm-hmm. um, I always was like, oh, I really enjoy this. And it, it didn't really feel like a job. Um, and then I went and worked in a law firm and that's when I got fired. Um, but what I saw in Thailand, especially with Thai boxing, was like people living a very like simple, extremely happy content life full of really positive enjoyable human connection and i saw people who i could barely even uh have a deep and deep and meaningful conversation you know in in inverted commas or whatever (laughs) yeah Um, but who i was developing the most intense emotional and positive relationships with just by being in front of them and moving my body with them and, right. and them teaching their passion to me, something which they, they've been doing, uh, you know, in Thailand, people uh, who fight Muay Thai will often start when they're children and babies, wow. you know, like it's the first thing that they do. And it's so part of the culture. It's, it's just so important. And I saw there that, that when you truly 100% commit to your passion, the positive outcome is guaranteed. And sometimes that positive outcome doesn't always have to be monetary gain, success, money, big house, lots of cars, lots of vacations and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. The really positive thing is like when you die, you want the people there to remember you and to pass on that really positive vibe to people. And I saw that happening. I can remember all my coaches. I can remember all my sparring partners. I can remember all those people who just like, just by being there and dedicating a a moment of their time to moving with me and almost like dancing with me, but in a little 
more of a violent way. Um, and these are the people who, when I look at, when I, when I look with them or I connect back with them, I, I just resonate with me and I'm, and I always remember them in a positive way. And they remember me in a positive way. And they always say good things about me and they, uh, they, they, they see me for who I am and that makes me feel good that when right. just by being me, just by being committed to what I love, they see me and they can go out there and spread positivity and say good things about me. Then, then that's when I kind of realized this is what I need to bring back wow. to the American fitness industry, which is becoming, in my opinion, like deeply toxic, deeply negative, focused on image, focused on who's the next best Peloton trainer with the best abs. And then you're reinforcing all those really negative body image issues, which have been perpetuated about, you know, men have to be big and strong and right. women need to look slim. And it's like, fuck it. Every, there's a bajillion different body types. Right. What I want you to do is to move and feel happy and, and whatever. If you, if you look a certain way, who gives a fuck, you know, like just be you and find connection. And the most important thing, just do it, you know, just go out there and move your body and enjoy right. it. So when you got back to the United States and then when you're in New York, was it like, what was your biggest challenge trying to establish yourself within the community like did you have to overcome a mental hurdle was it like more of a logistical hurdle i mean how was that process getting in establishing yourself and making connections with people so that you could start becoming more um connected with others i just i just think so many people don't realize how like deeply um ingrained image is in the fitness industry and there's really not an emphasis on how well you move it's how you look you know right. And I think that's something which I had to, which was really hard for me to overcome was being like, well, I can't actually have the body I like and still push fitness and health and wellness to people. Because when they look at me, they have expectations. Mm -hmm. like, you got to look a certain way. Otherwise you're not authentic. Right. You know? And so it's like, they're like the, all that, like who wants a fat trainer? It's like, well, you know what? I don't care. I want a happy trainer because you know, you the, the, the trainer who I had in Chicago who taught me boxing, he was pretty overweight, but that guy taught me every single thing. I like great stuff. I knew, right. Like, like, I'll never forget the technique. And he was just like, why are you looking so serious? Just enjoy yourself. Like, this is not a funny, like you're not fighting. You know, you're, you're right. to enjoy yourself. And that was the biggest hurdle for me was like overcoming all these like expectations about, who I needed to be in order to get my message across. And like, you know, like a lot of these fitness people now, they're like trying to be like the gurus, you know, they're like, well, we've got to mm -hmm. have a message and we've got to be like the next Tony Robbins. And mm -hmm. it's like, I hate, that's the thing I wanted to overcome the most. It's like, it's like showing people that you can actually be outside of what is popular and still be happy. Oh yeah, definitely. And I don't even like, I was going to say kind of like an alternative lifestyle to fitness, but I don't even want to call that alternative. It sounds like more that's like the, the light at the end of the tunnel, like where fitness should be going. Because I know for me uh, personally, it is a lot of, I don't like not intimidation, but like it, there's a, there's definitely that like thing of like, okay, if I go to the gym, there's going to be people maybe looking at me or there's uh, people who are going to be more fit and there's going to be this, that, and the other, or like, for example, okay, I started physical therapy yesterday for my foot. And um, my physical therapist, he was super nice. And the exercises that I got were not like extraneous. They weren't really hard to do because it was just foot movements to get back some motion in that big toe. But, you know, I was nervous going in because I saw the gym equipment. I saw the people and I was like, oh, God, here we go. You know, like in my head, like wrapping myself up, ready to go just because I mean, I have anxiety anyway. But and then, you know, even as I was doing exercises, he was like, OK, I want you to do 15 of these. So I did 15 and then he didn't say stop. So I kept going and going and like waiting for him to say, okay, stop. And then at one point he said, oh, I've already lost count. And then at that moment it clicked to me. It's like, oh, I am in charge of this. Like I'm the one who is supposed to be letting him know he's a guide. He's here to help me help myself. And so I think that really made me more comfortable with him. And, um, and, you, learned, and you learned something about yourself in, right. in, that, in that moment, which is like you, you keep on going even past what people require of you or ask of you, you know, right. and that's not necessarily a negative thing or a positive thing. It's just who you are. Right. But that's something that you learned. You're like, well, why did I do more reps than I was, than I was asked to do? And you right. can ask that question about yourself. 
And I know it's really intimidating. I mean, I grew up and my mom never wanted to go to the gym. She hated it. She said it was a deeply like negative, masculine place. She was a very mm-hmm. feminist woman growing up, and I'm wow. appreciative for that. Like super yeah. appreciative for that. And she she highlighted to me like when it's, it, there's two ends to the spectrum. Hey, eh? you go in there and you're super overweight, and people stare at you. But mm-hmm. you go in there and you're really fit, and people stare at you too. And that's right. why I don't even like going to the gym that much anymore. Because when I go there, everyone's like, "Oh gosh, he moves really well." Well, look at his technique. They'll come up to me. They'll start asking me questions, uh-huh. and I have to be like, "You know what? This is my me time. Right. This is this is for me. This is right. not this is not for you. You know, like you you don't just get to come and invade my space, right? And that, but then that's what that what it taught me. It taught me that strength to be able to say. And it sounds pretty selfish. People are like, well, why don't you just give them a second of your time? It's like, no, like I don't have to give any of my time to anybody if I don't want to, especially if I give my time to people and I feel drained Mm -hmm. and I feel, I feel like uh, used. I feel like they they didn't pay me for my expertise, which I've been working really hard at and researching and reading a bunch of books. And then I start to, I start to feel negative about myself. So sometimes putting up your barrier, putting on your armor, it can, it can allow you to actually get a greater perspective, you know, and man, it is intimidating. I, I, I know it's like, it's the worst thing. That's what like that toxic gym culture, you come in there and then people will video you or take pictures of you, mm-hmm. but in, people are just lost. And they, and the most important thing is to just like focus on your own journey and then people will follow you and, and really notice your, your strength. Right. So I asked, I want to, uh, kind of ask more speaking of the journey and following your own journey i know that um everly is also like fitness minded and that you guys work together and like you're trying to build something together so how is that like being married and you know working in a different kind of capacity with someone who is like your life partner is that do you find that like so nick and i we're not he's not really interested in the art like i am when we were teaching together it was fun we had a good time we definitely had different perspectives on like teaching philosophies and that was great but as far as like the art thing he's just not he's more of like a viewer in that sense than he is the maker but it's so it's good because i can bounce ideas off of him as like an audience member but like considering like eberly is very much into spiritual health and the yoga and the massaging and i don't want to like cheapen what she does but just from what i've seen that's what i get a sense of do you find it to be um rewarding to be able to work with her in that capacity do you find it like we're talking about your own space do you find like it hard sometimes to have another person that you're so close with also be involved in something you're so passionate about or like what are your perspective i mean it can be good and bad it can be it can be tough because there's no place to escape from it you know it feels like you're always in it and you're always like Mm. talking about fitness and talking about your job because you, you're both passionate about it, but right. also uh, that passion can like, can feel each other and grow each other. Right. But having boundaries, like, like Eberly will send me pod, she listens to a lot more podcasts than I do, like a lot of podcasts. And, and when I get too many, uh, infor- too much information, it like overwhelms me. Right. So she'll like send me podcasts and podcasts and podcasts and, and I'll just won't listen to them, you know, <laughs> I'll just yeah. <laughs> like, and I'll just tell her like, but I'll be honest with her and be like, babe, I appreciate the thought. It does, it's not that I don't want to. It's right. just that it's too much for me because it's my job all the time and I'm always thinking about it and I want at my at home to be just a place where I can be myself, maybe play some computer games or yeah. not feel guilty like I'm being lazy. Right. But that's, we have that commu- good communication where we can talk about it and, and, and we can be honest with each other. But the, it is, it is really beneficial. I mean, that's, a, that's what we fell in love because mm-hmm. we shared that interest about connecting with other people through fitness. Um, she has her own strengths in the fitness industry. She, right. she learns and reads and, and grows her knowledge and I move and explore and I'm fearless and I try a bunch of different things with my body and right. I'll break my legs jumping off a cliff and she'll yeah. never do that, right? right. But, but she will, she will uh, read a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and she'll educate me. So we work with each other, we work off of each other. And I think that's a really important thing for us. I like that you kind of mentioned, um, like not information overload, but I will say for me, 
I will also, I'll be like Eberly and I'll send Nick like, oh, look, this is a song that I like. Oh, this is the person that sampled it. Oh, this is the producer that did it. They work with this, like very much wrapped up in like, not the rabbit hole, but like just super interested in that. And then a lot of times he's like, okay, thanks. Like, you know, not, he's not, he's, he likes it because I think he likes it because I like it, but maybe he's just not like as enthralled by it as I am. So I'm glad to like hear that, you know, even from you guys where you guys are on the same page on a lot of times that that could even be, you know, an effect of just, just different interests within the same field or different like motivate or different like um, modices of approaching things within the same field. But it's cool that you guys can inform each other. And even though Nick and I aren't like making art together, we still inform each other. I feel like in a good way though, because his perspectives are very different and his interests are very- Everyone makes art in their own ways, you know? Definitely. I my, that the way I move and express, that's my art with my it body. Is. You know? And like, it's just, everyone has their own love language, you know? I'm sure like yeah. with, with Eberly, like she's not very talkative. Like I can fucking talk someone's ear off yeah. and like just, that's just who I am. And, and she's pretty quiet and reserved, but then like we'll go out to dinner with our friends and I'll like lead the conversation and talk and everything. Mm-hmm. And then we'll come home and then she'll have a beautiful insight about the whole, the, the experience in a more collect, like a bigger yeah. context, you know? And then that will, will, will provide me with like some context, which maybe I was missing because I was so caught up in the moment. You know? Right. And, and neither is good, neither is bad. That's just who we are. And then right. you learn from that, then that's great, you know? So we, we work like in the push and pull. Same with you and Nick, you know? Like right. Nick is very like reserved, but behind that re- reserved nature, you know, he's thinking in a deeply thoughtful and intelligent mm-hmm. way. And, you know, we're the same. We like get like so like happy and like we want to <laughs> yeah. jump around and do fucking backflips and like yeah, definitely. have the best time and spread our love and energy and enjoyment to everybody. But because somebody else isn't doing that doesn't mean they're not enjoying it as much. Right. So, and that's what I learned from everybody. It's like, I'll always be like, oh, you look like you're not having a good time. But afterwards we get home and she's like, had just as good a time as me. It's just a different time, you know? Dude, that's so true. I'm loving this because I didn't even think about that before, but you're exactly right. And especially like whenever we've hung out as like, you know, double dates or whatnot, it's totally that vibe. It's like, they're kind of like on their own thing. You and I are like <laughs> talking over each other, super excited to see each other. Like, but it's yeah. cool. It's so I cool. It. And I like that. I like the idea that you don't have to be completely like the same or completely compatible or completely like, you know, or even completely opposite than your partner. Like, you're making a good point of not placing a value judgment on the experience. And it's just like, this is what it is. It doesn't have to be good or bad. Like this is just how it is. And I think that's an important, um, especially like, I will say that you and Eberly are people that I look up to as far as like relationship wise goes. And I'm sure that everyone has like their own thing, but as far as like how much you love Eberly and how much you're openly express that and how much you guys support each other, like it definitely gives me, a little bit something to look forward or like to look towards in my relationship too because i um i just appreciate how much you love her and take care of her how much she loves you and takes care of you and i also feel the same with nick in that way so yeah i mean i'm really um keep up the good work please don't don't <laughs> stop telling everybody how much you love your wife because i think it's important i want to break i want to break the the toxic cycles that so many right. have you know and i think We've been told that uh, that we can't be emotional, we can't love, that we have to be stoic and we have to be strong and the pillar. Mm. And actually, showing that I was always in a very emotional guy and like uh, loving on people, and I always wondered why society was telling me that I should be some something different, you know. Right. And then through uh, through my relationship with my wife, I learned that actually the way I love people is good and that people it's going to resonate with people and it's going to show young men old men other people that you know it's okay to be an emotional being because that's what we are and especially like you know i've I've always tried to reject the idea of like when people like you're good looking you've got a good body and Mm -hmm. i've always tried to like those like like those things don't matter to me right but if they matter to other people then why not use that as a vehicle to show people well Look at me. You think I'm a stereotypical man? Well, right. Accra, you know, right. I'll, 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 I love my kids. I love kids, you know, right. but all these different emotional traits and different parts of myself, which right. people want, men want to push down. 
but mm -hmm. everyone will look at me and be like, "Well, you're a man," just because of the way uh, how I look, which I which I find like worrying. But the only way which you can break a cycle is by using that cycle against itself. Right. So that's what I'm going to do. You know, if, if people are going to look at me and be like, "Well, you must be a real manly man because you have a good body," well, then you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fucking cry in front of them. I'll put a dress on in front of them. I don't care. I will break your chains, which are keeping your mind locked in this idea of who you need to be and allow you to be free and be yourself. And that's what I bring in all my classes, all my fitness yeah. people. I don't care what you do. We're all different. We're all at different places in our lives. The most important thing is that we are here next to each other, locking our arms together, pulling ourselves forward. That's the only thing that matters. Right. It's like flip the script, fuck the stigma, because those are just like, those are boxes that, and I hate to sound like whatever, but I'm like, these are just boxes that people put you in. And in my opinion, to make you bore my, buy more shit, like do this, do this. So you can buy this. It's literally that mentality to me. Yes. I just look at everything. I'm like, I'm not fucking buying what you're selling. Stop it. Because I see through the crap, you know, I just feel like it's, we're, I feel like we're all being like propagandized to, we're all being tried to sell, like we're being tried to sell or somebody's trying to sell us something constantly. We're always in that consumer role because of like the society that we live in. Whether it's an object which can help you be the person you want to be or right. it's a self-help thing which helps you be the person you want to be. Right. When in reality, you're just trying to be somebody else. Yeah, so no, literally. You are who you are already if there are parts of yourself which you don't like and you want to change, that's okay. You, you, mm -hmm. you should do that. But that needs to come from you. It right. doesn't need to come from society telling you, like with me, like, well, men shouldn't, shouldn't cry or men shouldn't care about people. And then I'm like, well, I do. So I'm going to need to change that about myself right. so that I can fit in. No. Like, like, just be who you are, be, and that's the most important thing. Like, it's the best thing that you can do. Like, nobody else can be you. You know, that's the truth. Absolutely. That's so true. And it's like, you have to lean into that individuality a little bit because it's so uh, prescribed. It's, it's but it's really tough, you know. Oh, yeah. When you, when you choose to be yourself, you know, there's like, there's people who, when they see you being authentic, it, it makes them feel, t feel bad that they can't, uh, can't express themselves or they right. have, they're holding themselves back for whatever for whatever reason and, and that's something which i've had to learn is like sometimes curbing my enthusiasm because that can bring people down just as much you know i being, know being 100 percent yourself can also remind people that they're only 50 percent of who they are and 50 percent of, of whatever percentage that society is trying to tell them to be and that can be like damaging to them. So yeah, counterproductive. Sometimes you've got to just be like, like, you know, like chill. <laughs> smoke a big blunt and just chill out. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get that. No, I'm down for that. <laughs> so I guess this is interesting too. I was thinking about this. How do you motivate people who are not, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of clients you get. Maybe you get people that are like completely motivated and ready to go, want to tune up. And then I imagine that you probably get people who are like starting from scratch, zero, like 10% motivation was the only motivation they have was to actually contact you. And then you as a trainer or you as a, like a healer or a fitness person have to like get them like in themselves. How do you, how do you approach that? You know, everybody has something which they care about, you know, and which means something to them. Mm -hmm. And if you can bring then like in the, let's say for fitness if you can bring movement into a context which matters for them then it's going mm -hmm. to have purpose and it's going to have place in their life right and, and sometimes that might be place placing more emphasis on themselves you know like maybe someone's working really hard and doing a lot of things for other people and the whole time in, in the session you just remind them, this is for you this is your time right like, i love you i'm so happy you're here i'm here for you right and you remind them that they're important and that not everybody else is important instead of them. And then they'll have other clients who like, I've got a client like who he, he's like really not committed to his health. He mm -hmm. loves to go out and drink with the boys and eat and everything, but he works out three, four times a week. Yeah. And the context which I've given him is he really, really is a great family man. And mm -hmm. so whenever he works out and I work out with him uh, and his little kid comes down. Yeah. I know you're talking about yeah, yeah. I'll get his little kid to come and do the exercises. And now, since we've been training together, his son's been from a baby to a toddler. 
when I go to his house, his young kid wants to go for runs with me. He goes for runs by himself. He puts his sneakers wow. on and he'll stand outside with his top on and he'll flex at me when I'm coming down the driveway. <laughs> and, but, and he'll be like, why is my kid like this? And I'm like, mm -hmm. because you were committing to change your life and do something positive, even though you didn't want to and you were disappointed right. in doing that, even though you didn't see the result that you want, you've planted a tree which your kid is going to grow up in the shade of. And that's the context which keeps him motivated. And right. Other people, you know, they come in and they just want to fucking, like, they don't want a motivation. They just want you to shut the fuck up, give them some exercises. They want to go full savage, sweat, puke everywhere. And then when you're done, you just give them like a slap on the back and you're like, <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking beast boy, you know, yeah. and then like that, people might be like, oh, that's toxic, you know, like, but, but it still gets people going. So right. you can use whatever it is to motivate whoever, give them context. And then when you give them that context, then, you know, you got to hook in, then you can start to change the, the negatives, which are starting to pull them away from their why from right. the reason everybody has a reason you said what well, people have a reason for wanting to train with you and when they see you maybe it's like geez they want your abs sure. so you're like all right that's fine you can go in with that it's how you end that's mm -hmm. really important so wow. after yeah. a while you'd be like hey look you're, you're moving better right you're feeling better right yeah you're sleeping better right yeah your sex life's better cool like your emotional relationships are more stable yeah right. oh cool do you have your six pack no does that matter? No, but well, yeah. you'll get it anyway. And then you can look as sexy on the outside as you feel on the inside. Right. It's like that six, like the physical part of that is like the latent consequence. It's not like the people go in saying, thinking it's a certain thing. Like I'm going to go in and get fit. And then they end up changing their like spirit and their like insides. And then it will eventually reflect on the outside. My whole life when I was younger, all I ever wanted was to be thin, to have a six pack so that I could, get the girls and like be accepted by people. And I never had it. I mm -hmm. kept gaining weight. I kept losing weight and I never had a six pack. And then after I went to Thailand, I let go of that desire to have a certain look. And I said, I just want to be happy. I want to feel good every day when I wake up. I don't want to, I don't want to feel uh, like when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, I drank too much. But right. then I still drink a lot the next time. Or I ate too much. Well then why aren't I eating? eating in a way which makes me happy, you know? Right. Not what am I eating? Why am I not committing to my happiness? And when I really did that, and I committed to feeling good, to feeling happy, to feeding my soul first, and being positive about my life and myself, then poof, what happened? The weight came off. I shared the emotional burden, which was stuck inside my body. Right. And I got the, I got the body I wanted and you know, my body changes. I'll be 241 one month and then I'll be like, Oh, okay. I'll start working out a bit more and I will I'll be 200. And sure. I, but I won't judge myself for what I, for where I am in my life because right. life gets tough. Sometimes, sometimes you can't work out. So right. You'll be hard on yourself to the point where you like ruin your motivation for the rest of your life. Fuck that. You know, it's not worth it. Just right. moment. Yeah, definitely. I feel like shedding that emotional baggage and that emotional weight totally helps you feel lighter as a person, even compared to like shedding that physical weight, like any kind of um, weight loss show or whatever that used to come on. I don't, I don't have a TV, so I don't know what's happening now, but <laughs> whatever, when I was growing up, like biggest loser, those kind of things, like those are good for reality TV because they're showing emotional and physical growth. But I feel like there's no follow up. Like you have to keep working on that emotional growth. You have to keep like it's, it is, it seems like it's a lot about changing the mentality that will help change the body or, you know, yeah, not even changing, show, healing the mentality. My 600 pound life. Yeah. You know, I know that show. Super, like 600 pounds, 700 pounds. And you'll see them. They'll like go on the diet and they'll do mm -hmm. it. And then they'll go back. And then, then they'll have a, mo a moment where they'll like, be like, mom, I thought you didn't love me when, when we were a kid. Right. I turn to food. And right. then all of a sudden, boom, weight starts coming off. Their whole life changes. And they even, before they even lost any weight, their spirit looks lighter inside. Yeah. Them, you know, and you see that. And, but it's the same thing is even if you were like, I've been, I got like, my wife's got me super into uh, Queer Eye. Like, oh yeah. Like, yeah. I've been like loving it for now. And I watched one of, they just did about this personal trainer in Philadelphia. And he was like, he wouldn't cut his dreadlocks. He was holding on to this idea of who he needed to be. Right. And it was like preventing him from being the, 
from seeing the person who he really was. Right. And that's what they do. They'll, they'll come to you and be like, let go of what you're holding on to and, and realize where you are in your life right now. And people will have huge emotional breakthrough before physical breakthrough. And I mean, there are people who have no emotional needs. They just need a good old kick in the butt, you know, just like right. get out there, move your body, shut up and do it, you know. Right. My dad's like that. My dad, my dad got freaking attacked in our house and I'll be like, Dad, how was it when you got when you got you got stabbed in our home? And he was like, yeah. wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, stabbed was that eleven times, you know, and I was and I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, Yeah, and, and I was like, and he was like, he was just like, No, you know, did, did I did what I had to do. And I was like, and there I'm sitting, I'm like, I'm like fucking traumatized from it. And I, and I, I know, and man. Like, yeah. And then, but then the thing which you'll do is you'll get lazy and, it's, mm. and you'll stop moving. Mm-hmm. And so then you just give him a kick in the butt, boom, and then he's, right. that's, that's just what some people need. Some people aren't emotional beings. Right. Know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's just reality. I get that. Do you have a favorite um, success story? Like, have you, is something that really impacted you and saw what your gifts could provide for other people? Do you have like one moment that you were like, ah, oh, this is it? Oh, a success story. I don't know. I have so many different ideas of what it means to like succeed, you know? Sure. Okay, so I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about it. Uh, a success story. Hmm. How about, let's come back to that one. You could think about, about success, you know? Well, like, I mean, like, well, I mean, I guess not personal success for you. Like, not like, oh, this is the moment that I feel successful. I meant like, um, I know that you work with, were you working with like some elderly woman for like a little bit, like helping them? Oh, yeah. Like, what is, did you have, like, have you had a client? Have you, have you taught a class? Have you had an interaction that kind of wrapped up the experience that you're going for. Yeah, yeah, okay, I can understand what you mean now. Um, there's been quite a few, but like, yeah, when you actually mentioned um, Carol, the lady, the elderly lady who I was working with, unfortunately she passed away, but I was work- I got to work with her in the like last part of her life. Right. Um, and I can remember, I still have the picture saved in my favorites on my phone, when mm. she had her, she was standing in the gym and she had her arms spread out wide. Just yeah. Big X with her body, and she's like, she said to me, "I feel light and free." Wow! And this is a woman who like was like broken her hip and could barely move. Right. And, and I got her like just like moving and enjoying her life. I used to just sit and like massage her feet for thirty minutes, and then we do like a couple shoulder rolls and breathing, and then I'd like hold her arm, and she'd she'd flirt with me, and then I'd like <laughs> flirt back with her. Yeah. And make her feel like young and, and sexy and loved and seen again. And go. that was like for me that greatest success was was showing somebody in the later stages of their time here on earth that it's never too late to change it's never too late to find out something new about yourself mm-hmm. and this was somebody who like who it hurt for her to move her body right and she I was going through like um cognitive decline and the last the last parts of her life she was forgetting everything but she'd mm-hmm. always remember my sessions mm-hmm. and she'd always remember me and and that was like another elderly man um, uh, Ebony's uh, uncle who had uh, Alzheimer's mm-hmm. um, and I, I got to go do a little bit of like massage and work with him and he he remembered me and he remembered my name but he couldn't even remember his own granddaughter's name wow and his and his daughter was like wow that's amazing you know yeah and for me like that just that kind of, that those connections with people it made me realize that like when you when you move with someone and you and you teach them about their body, you can connect with them and their mind on such an emotional and positive way, and you can actually change their life. And it gave me gave me a lot of hope that what I was doing was 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 positive, you know, and was I was on the right track with my career. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and I think that for me, if I had an experience like how you're describing, I would. Yeah, it, it, it's like symbols or like little like post signs that are like, you're doing a good job. You're doing, you're helping people and whatever success means to the individual is obviously like their own opinion. But on a whole, I feel like that would be a good measure for myself as well to be like, wow, I'm impacting. Even if it's one person, you know, it's like impacting, helping, connecting. Um, so what do you, what does your, what does the future look like for you? What do you see yourself doing I know that you have, did you work in Cambodia or am I like wrong on that? Did you go to Cambodia or was that? Yeah, yeah, I went to Cambodia. Okay. Um, 
when we were in Thailand, we met a guy uh, who lives in Cambodia who owns a, a farm there. Okay. An architect and he wanted, a, it's like a biodynamic farm. He wants to show uh, the people of Cambodia, there's really bad deforestation there and the deforestation is leading to a lot of like groundwater draining away and the land's not becoming uh, able, like agrable anymore. So right. he wants to like uh, teach people about the value of the forest, something like really, which is really important to me. Um, so two years ago, we went over there and with our own money, own money um, we planted a thousand trees and wow. we dug a well in, at his farm for him. And we dug um, the lake, like expanded his lake so that he could uh, have more fish and mm-hmm. have ducks and stuff like that. Um, and that's just like a continuing part of where I want to go with my fitness career is like, I want to start, uh, stop being a trainer and start getting more into like um, non-for-profit work, teaming mm-hmm. up with trainers and using their voices uh, as a way to bring people together to in, in, enact positive change. So right. my company, The Movement Project, and eventually uh, my goal is to make that a non-for-profit um, and to go into areas and support projects which can grow and create positivity in their community, whatever it is, you know, like, um, with, like when I went to Cambodia, I cleaned up trash on the beach. Uh, it's something which I do all the time. Or right. I, was, uh, I fell on the beach and cut my leg open on a bottle. Right. And it was Classic. like 80 stitches and I almost oh, lost the use shit. of my leg. Damn. Um, yeah. And, but that was a great catalyst for me appreciating how my body moves. Because right. like you could have lost your foot, you know? Right. So I was like, shit, I'm grateful. Let me go out there and show people like they can be grateful, you know? Hell yeah. And uh, so I... I always said like, well, I'm happy that it wasn't bad. So let me clean up trash wherever I go. And then I got to like meet people and they cleaned up trash with me and picked up plastic bottles and stuff. Yeah. um, That's kind of like where I see the future going for me is like growing my, uh, my presence online through my talent and then using that, uh, that presence and that voice to bring like-minded individuals together to enact positive change. And that can be anything, you know, if somebody's like, well, there's somebody who needs uh, their roof rebuilt, you know, mm-hmm. don't do that. It, obviously in the beginning, it's going to be, I want to focus on the bio farm in Cambodia right. and create, and creating an education center there for the right. youth so that they can come in and learn about uh, nature, learn about recycling and mm-hmm. uh, because they burn a lot of trash there. Um, and, and, you know, going back to South Africa and do those same projects, create little education centers out of plastic and wow. stuff like that. That's yeah. where I see myself going, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to round it out here. We're about at the end. This has been awesome. Um, if people want to get in co- touch with you, want to get in contact with you, like what's the best way you can plug your info? <laughs> you can, uh, yeah, you could get in contact with me on Instagram. My handle's AlexDianaSA. And that's S and A for South Africa. Hey. I had a, one of my, sp- my, my Spanish friends, he was like, Alex Diana, S-A? And I was like, <laughs> like no, S-A for South yeah. Africa. Um, and then I'm trying to not use Facebook too much anymore because I kind yeah. of find it a pretty negative space. But you can go on there and it's Alexander uh, Diana, S-A again. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my page. Um, you can email me at alex at the movement dash project. And I'll answer any questions that you want. I'm always there any time of day. I always tell people, if you reach out, if you ask me to do something, I'll always say yes. I'm a yes man. Me too. It's something I which I've tried to bring into my life since uh, my best friend, Mike, who was a yes right. man, passed away. I said that I'm going to bring in one of his best qualities into me. So I have him with me forever. Wow. So whatever you need, you ask and I will be there. Just uh, email, check me out on Instagram. My cell phone number is on my Instagram. So you can call me. Um, leave a message because I probably won't pick up uh, <laughs> uh, because cool. I get lots of phone calls uh, trying to sell me uh, dick and oh large. My gosh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being my first guest. I feel like this has been an amazing conversation, hella productive, and I hope people contact you because you have a lot to offer. Yeah, thank you. You know, you know I love you, man. You're the Dude, you same. Are- best people i know you're you're living your passion you're living your dream and i you know i'm always going to support that so i know there's big things you're very talented at what you do so i'm looking forward to listening to podcast number two 
Hey, thanks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll see you later. Oh, yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode of What's Cool, an exploration of learning and connecting through our passions. Would you like to get in contact with us about your passions? Do you know someone who'd be a great guest for the show? Send us an email at whatscoolpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at whatscoolpod or on Facebook by searching What's Cool Podcast.